Welcome to Welcome the Gun Show. I am joined by Garrett. Hey, everybody. And Derek. It's the suede denim secret police. They have come for your uncool niece. In like a dirty way or like a... <laughs> Bonus points if you can recognize that song. Hang on. Listening. Give me three minutes on Google. <laughs> <laughs> I've been listening to a lot of classic punk lately. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what that song is. I might know if you tell me, but you shouldn't tell me because you want the listeners to guess. Um, yeah. You can tell me afterwards. Post might in the know, Facebook group. Like, and be honest, don't use Google. And we'll see who uh, who appreciates classic punk. Well, apparently I'm not on that list because... And no, it's hey. not some 41 or Blink 69 or it's an actual punk band. <laughs> you mean like Avril Lavigne? <laughs> Thanks for listening. I uh, remember five stars. Uh, it, it's good to be back. Um, maybe next week we'll do a four-minute show. Uh, what happened I, to Avril Levine? I touched Terek on his studio. Um, she released a new song like recently. I saw it on, on YouTube. Yeah, like it's no fucking good. Um, it's got the drummer from... Uh, what fucking band was he in? I'm going to need a moment. Oh, I have to Google it. Um, it might have actually been the drummer from Blink. Um, hang on. Anyway, it, it's it's no good, but apparently she released a song just like this week. Have, uh, have you seen the new Kid Rock video? I have not. It's like Tiger King, but without the class or gravitas. <laughs> oh wow. He's he's he, he's he's like a cut he's like a cut price Joe Exotic. <laughs> but he's been that for years. Um, yeah, it's it it it's shockingly terrible. So that's uh, uh, it's the drummer from from Link One Eighty Two that's in the music yeah. video with her, and it's it's not good music, right? Because so. she was she was really good, yeah. Uh, but I suppose you couldn't do. She was a boy, he was a girl. Hello, Sash. He was a skater boy. Whilst <laughs> <laughs> Gaz is in trouble, he's getting lectured. Don't know what he's done. I, I, I can see that. It's uh, the. The tension is palpable, which is very Which is interesting. Maybe we should not narrate the rest of this conversation and and move on into. Oh, oh she's, she's she struck him by about the face. Um. With a fist, Gaz is bleeding. <laughs> um, apologies to our loyal listener uh, that we haven't had a show for two weeks. Um, unfortunately. Uh, Eskim decided that uh, electricity was optional. Was, yeah, was was not a, a not even a privilege. Um, so, due to a horrible con uh, scheduling conflict based on Eskim for our foreign listeners, that's the sole power supplier in the country who are fucking terrible. Um, we think, none of us had power at the same time. Yeah, think that Texas power failure. But for the last 15 years, <laughs> at, at the most inconvenient of times, because um, that's what they do. I, I'm sure that they have like access to my to my calendar. One of the three we were talking about earlier, 
And what they do is they look at them and they go, which interruption would fuck him the most? Ah, this one. So this is when you won't have power. Yeah, so, but then we had stage four, so they could look at your calendar and go, he's got a meeting then, then, and then. So we're going to have power failures then, then, and then. Yes. <laughs> and it's never like the power failure. It doesn't start as your meeting is about to end or sort of halfway through your meeting. It starts an hour before the meeting starts. So that yes. by the time the meeting starts, like all the cell towers are down and like, yeah. Perfectly timed. It's so. spectacular. We recommend it highly. <laughs> Five out of seven. Perfect score. <laughs> um, you, oh, internet at its finest. So, we had some good news did you today. Miss us? I don't know if you want to uh, to mention the good news for those who have not seen it. They will have seen it by the time the show comes out. But well, it would, it would appear. Um, that uh, uh, pause has been made for now on the Firearm Control Act Amendment Bill. Um, as as of when we're recording this, which is before you're listening to it, because um, we can bend space and time, we just choose not to for this show. Uh, it it hasn't been. Um, it's not dead in the water, so so please don't don't um, pretend it is. But uh, it does look like it's been it's been put on pause, and they're uh, examining the constitutionality of uh, of a couple of the sections they want to remove, including section thirteen, self defence, and section seventeen, um, collectors plus plus a few others. So, uh, yeah, it's um, it seems that uh, what, uh, the the thing I saw today was a DA statement where they did try and kind of claim credit for the whole thing, but. We'll, we'll leave them with that for now. A um, hundred, I'm open to correction, but I think it was 120,000 submissions um, or something like that. I don't have it in front of me. I, I know it was 2,000 a day. Yeah. I will find the actual thing and, and tell you what the total was. 118,000 comments received. Sorry, call me a liar for 2,000. I'm not calling you a liar. I, I'm just... I would. Um so the lesson there, boys and girls, and, and Apache helicopters and tugboats and what the fuck ever else, is that your voice has a value. Um, if we had have sat and done the typical South African thing of going, oh, the fucking sky is falling, there's nothing we can do. Well, I made the light to my microphone go red. Um, and all that sort of bullshit, we wouldn't be having this conversation. It probably would have been through by now. But the fact that civil society actually acted in a civil way um, and resisted this thing um, sort of constitutionally and nonviolently has, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that this, this looked almost like it was, you know, the writing on the wall seemed pretty obvious. So don't, don't give up too soon. Don't, don't celebrate too soon, but uh, you can all give yourselves a pat in the back. Um, it does seem that, uh, They've had to pay some sort of attention to to what everyone wants, uh, because I I am going to leave this though with not all one hundred eighteen thousand of those people were gun owners, which means that there's two million of you out there, call it a rounding error, who did absolutely fuck all and all said going they're never going to take my guns or oh fuck I better give up because they're going to take my guns, so. 
those two million, please get off your asses and do something. And you know, it kisses me. It's it's more than two million because I sent in a pretty lengthy objection, and then the July shenanigans, shall we call it, happened, and then I sent in another one. Mm. <laughs> so, me too. And I'm sure a lot of people sent in a second one. So. The, the 118,000 comments is only 60,000 people. <laughs> so if, uh, if, you, if you didn't help, turn off the podcast now. You may no longer listen. Go do something boring like log on to fucking gun site and deal with stupidity or something. Um, and uh, until you do something useful. When you're useful, then you can come back again. Hugs and kisses again. Okay, so, them hugs, hugs and kisses. It's all about the hugs and kisses. All them hugs and kisses. What has happened in the last two weeks that we need to mention to people before we roll into the topic that they have all been waiting for, I'm sure? Gaz and I got rained on. Oh, yeah. Um, Why did you get rained on? Saturday. Dude, I, have, I cannot remember in my adult life, and as, as it's pointed out to me all the time, I'm old as balls. Um, I cannot remember in my adult life being that cold, including Wisconsin in January. <laughs> That's rough. You, you know when kids do the chattering jaw thing? Yes. I was doing that. See, do you want to elaborate on why that was so bad? So due to a, a variety of circumstances, mainly involving me not being a creature of the morning, um, when we went to go allegedly shoot pigs of which there was one which someone else shot but anyway um i forgot to pack a jacket <laughs> and let me guess let me guess let me guess there was no other human being of your stature and girth who packed the second one no no i had a jacket in my room on <laughs> oh i see 45 minutes away from our initial meeting point, which was 20 minutes away from our first stop. I had a jacket. I had a raincoat. I had waterproof pants. I had everything in, in the room. hotel room. <laughs> what I had with me was fortunately a long sleeve shirt and some pants. Let, let me, let me tell you why this was... happened. Can I, can I tell you why this happened? I'm a bad human. No, 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 okay. no. Because I don't hunt. And as a result, you didn't have like a range mommy there to go, did you pack your jacket? <laughs> so next time we're taking you with, you don't have to, you, you're not allowed to come on the hunt because you don't want to. But what we're going to do is we're going to leave you at the rooms during the day. And then in the okay. morning when we have to get up at 3 fucking a.m. to see a pig at 11. Anyway. Um, it was at 11 as early as that. It may have been later, actually. I'll have to take what time I took photos. I, I didn't see the pig myself, um, but Jackie got one, which was very nice. But, uh, yeah, it, it was a spectacular day. Gaz got to discover the wonders of sleeping on a cliff and then getting forgotten. Um, on said cliff? On said cliff. Again, because you, you didn't have a range mommy there to go, one, two, three, four. Where's Gaz? <laughs> No, no, no. This actually is guess James and someone else. Yeah. And this, this wasn't us forgetting them, though. This was 
the one the one lock the one bucky dropped us off in a spot and dropped them off in a different spot a different bucky dropped them off in a different spot and it was time to collect the bucky that needed to collect us collected us and we kind of assumed that the bucky that had dropped them off would yeah would collect them and there was those walkie talkies only work on line of sight so they had no radio. Well, Gaz didn't have a radio because obviously he couldn't be trusted with one. James's radio had no signal. Um, they even tried the fire three shots into the ground, which none of us heard over the rain. Um, so it, it was a spectacular adventure, but a good time was had by all. Um, <laughs> and what we got to do is walk in some very, a very pretty part of the free state that looked like Mattel, KZN, sorry, uh, did not look like the Free State. It was green and, and hilly. It wasn't flat and brown. Sorry, Free State listener. Um, with rifles. And then um, come back and uh, bry. That sounds like a good trip. I mean, oh. other than like being cold, being forgotten, <laughs> being wet. To put the cold into perspective, guys with jackets on were like extremely cold. Yeah, no, it was... I was so really... Yeah, I'm going to say one thing, and and you might not like this, T, but I'm glad it was you that forgot your jacket. No, no, I'm being no, no, I'm being serious. No, no, I'm being. I'm, can you imagine if Jacqueline forgot his jacket? He would be dead in minutes. <laughs> this this is fat shaming, boys and girls. And this both. is not fat shaming. This is fat this shaming. Is, you're a tough human being. I am being body shamed by my colleague I, due I to my lit- successful lifestyle body shape. <laughs> <laughs> body no. shaming dude it was no Jack, jackie would have died um chris I, I, was, I was being chris and james were wearing shorts the chops um yeah but but were they wearing two pairs because james, james is a pom yes but he married he's, a lovely afrikaans lady so no, but his, his people his people need long pants but he was even turning an unhealthy shade of purple on those kneecaps. <laughs> <laughs> That'll it, teach it was, them for wearing shorts. It it was a it it was an interesting interesting adventure, um, but the view was spec like the view was spectacular. Do we um, do we know what the temps were? Cold. Or was um, it, it a was, combination yeah. of wind chill and rain? For our, for our YouTube viewers, it was this fucking cold. <laughs> So, so it was like 45 degrees Celsius outside. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I miss doing this show. It sucks. Um, this is fact. Which are, um, so that 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 that, that was our, our our weekend. But it was it was a jewel. We 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 had lots of laughs. Um, many of ourselves and me. We had lots of laughs at me. I was so glad. I t- t- I had a buff with as my mask. Um, and I was so grateful to have that because at least I could get a little bit of warmth around my ears. Around your ears. Like I had this little schnud on. It's like these photos of this giant fat man in camouflage with a a schnud on. I don't don't get super cold in in general. So even when it's like, I wear jackets and things because I'm not stupid, but I don't generally experience the cold quite as badly as like my wife does. But my nose and my ears need to be somehow at a reasonable temperature. Like I can have like cold arms and legs and shit, but like I need to keep these things sort of kind of warm. 
So the buff helps with that. My, uh, as you pointed out, my immense fat, blubbery body um, generally does all right with with the cold. This this was this was deep cold. This was like feel it in your bones cold. And and the rain. So the clouds were about time six four. The clouds were about five four from the ground. Um, <laughs> Hey, Derek, how's the weather up there? Yeah. Oh, so shit. <laughs> it was mental. We All our freaking rifles were orange when we got back. We had to, like, strip all the rifles. Um, so, yeah, my next hunting rifle, there's blue steel and more walnut, more soulless fucking plastic and serotonin. Stainless. Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, no, that, that was unpleasant. Um, yeah, Gaz see. was like trying to fill up the, the objective lens of his um, of his scope. <laughs> Turn it into a swimming pool. <laughs> oh, fine. And now uh, when you take that outside in the sunshine to go and shoot it, you can't see through it. because it's like... Yes. <laughs> but it's all right because there was nothing to shoot at because we now had, I swear, I think it was a 20-kilometer drive on the back of a bucky on fucked-up farm roads in the rain. <laughs> I mean, thank I goodness you had shot some barrels to hold on. And climbed inside it like Luke fucking Skywalker and a tonton. At, at least you guys had barrels to hold on to to not fall off the bucky. Yeah, no, we, we did a lot of that just for Max. Max, Max would approve. Mm-hmm. No, we did think of Max. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll know if Max listens to this, even though we know he won't listen to this. He has listened yes. to some recently. Oh, yeah. Well, that's positive. Yes. I'm glad he's listening to some of them. He probably tried to listen to the last two weeks and now are going to claim that he will never listen again because we didn't put out episodes. <laughs> <laughs> it would be a wise thing to do. Is there anything else we need to tell people about before we roll into the show? I know Gaz like uh, did some fucking impressive work with the standard minor gun against open gunners and things at some recent matches. That's what he does. Which matches? I can't remember. Last one shot. Champs. Yes. Oh, like, bang, bang. Like, like impressive stuff. I've yeah, got to more, say, more impossible. I, I enjoyed that EG match. Um, that steel was fucking punishing. It that was, was a small, really nice match. It was small. It was not what we would call close. Um, Are we talking about the steel or your penis now? Sorry. Oh, no, that's very, that's, not size. Yeah, that's very close. <laughs> it doesn't extend. It doesn't extend far <laughs> from the tree. <laughs> With the, the apple bushes. fall from that. I don't know how that works. But <laughs> the, the EG match was fun. I think, I think the EG match was more technical. The EG match, yeah, I would say, was more technical, yes. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that EG match. Um, I didn't shoot the NG, so I can't comment on that, but I I did enjoy the EG match. It was quite nice. Fun. And we were in like a day. Yeah, w- when is that? 13th. What? 13th, is that right? What's that? It's n- week- It's not this weekend, it's next weekend. Oh, fuck. Which, when not- you're listening to this, it's this weekend. <laughs> Unless That's- you listen to this a week after it dropped in its last weekend and if you listen to it later than that then it's some time ago but if you listen to this as it drops it's this weekend oh that one so it's like it's like the fourth and the fifth thing yeah 
Third, fourth, fifth. Yeah, fuck, that's now. That's not far away. <clears throat> T and I are shooting some uh, some PCC this weekend, but when you listen to it last weekend, because uh, <laughs> time travel. It's going to be fun. Looking forward to that. PCC League One of 2021. Also, yes. PCC League, the only. <laughs> that's EG PCC champs. Oh, I didn't tell you. I suppose we can announce it now. There's no date or anything, so don't ask. Your matches are go. Awesome. I'm Sweet. You, Thank you, dude. I will. I will talk to you about what else is needed so we can make the the thing happen. Um, I will say a little bit more on that. Just a tiny little bit more. Um, multi-day format, higher level than we're used to match or less money than we're used to for those matches. Um, designed to be fun and challenging for all experience levels. And uh, we'll build it in, in that spirit. Um, 12 stages, 12 stages, session shooting. Um, I will be the, uh, the MD and uh, the King of the Arrows will be the, uh, the, I don't know, King of the Arrows lab match. Right, right. Maybe the Range Master. The expression you're looking for. Yeah, I was, I, was, I was trying to find some clever way of saying that, but there really isn't. Um, yeah, Gaius will win standard. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there's no doubt. And I'll complain about something. Actually, <laughs> I mean, probably, but I, I don't think there's anything in the course of fire to complain about. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm just complaining about something. It'll be my gun or my knee or the the steel, the sun, the lack of sun. (laughs) I could have been a farmer. (laughs) Could have been. Um, Awesome. I'm super excited about that. We'll figure out dates and stuff and we'll get, uh, we'll start like advertising that. Um, I will tell you guys a limited slot um, because slots. Oh, Slots like those, your those shirts. Can be limited. Um, so those will be limited because it's uh, sessions and we can only accommodate so many shooters. So if you want to shoot it, you need to get on it as soon as we have dates and things available. Um, like as soon as I, I want this to be like the fastest selling out of a match fucking ever. Yes, when I could part of the membership. Gaz will make a part of the membership. So if you if you're not a SAPSA member yet or an IPSC member, you better you fucking need to do become that one now, so that you because this match is not going to be available to visitors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this match will in fact not be available to visitors. So, and uh, I mean, we might even be able to have spectators and things depending on what fucking level we're in when this happens. So. Awesome, dude. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Cool. I've been looking forward to that for a long time, and I know some other people have been looking forward to that. Um, hopefully, you two included. Um, Gaz is a rumby facing, but I, 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 I've been looking forward to it. Good man. I'm sure Gaz is looking forward to it. He's going to spank people on that course of fire. <laughs> uh, I didn't know it was that kind of match. It is. That's that's literally the entrance requirement. Like Gaz has to spank you before you're allowed to step foot onto the. Just remember, if there's any orphans, you can't say who's your daddy. 
Yes, you can't say that. That would be that would be politically incorrect. Um, Indeed. ROs, and I believe that I get to pick you, so I'm looking forward to that too. Um, <laughs> ROs, there will be a pre-match for this. Um, we'll be selecting people to to come and work the match. Um, so hopefully this is going to be a great experience for you guys too. So that's some excellent news. Yeah, sorry, I thought I just dropped that on you quickly. Sweet. So, um, you guys have obviously listened to part one of the uh, dot show, the, the the cheater lamp show, or at least I hope that guys have listened to it. If you haven't listened to it, you probably should. Um, tonight we're going to record part two, and part two is going to be about the uh, the software, the the shooter part of the shooting a dot experience. Um, so, <clears throat> shall we shall we roll into that thing, T? Yeah, I think so. Let's let's. I suppose what we should start off with, and I don't think we discussed in the last show, um, is why put a dot on your gun. That that probably uh, sort of colors everything, and and the sort of short, slightly facetious answer is, you only really want a dot on your pistol if you want to shoot faster and more accurately. Um, if you're happy to shoot slower and less accurately, then you don't need a red dot. Um, but uh, the red dot brings a couple of things to the table that that it does better than I have. Um, one of which, and, and, and a, a, it's a big one, especially on a defensive gun, but, but even on a competition gun, is it allows you to focus on the thing you want to shoot as opposed to try and focus on, on, on your gun. Um, and I think it was Aaron Cohen was the first place I saw this. I, I, I assume it's a it's an original idea of his as well. Um, it, every weapon that human beings have used up until the firearm, you looked at the thing you were trying to hit. Um, if you were throwing a rock, if you were throwing a spear, if you were shooting a bow, if you were shooting a catapult, every weapon we've used up until the gun, we've looked at the thing we're trying to hit. Now we then we introduced the firearm and we went, no, 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 no. You must look at the end of it. Um, look at the very tip and not at the thing that you're trying to kill that's trying to kill you, uh, which, which is challenging because we're programmed, you know, to, to focus on the thing attacking us. Um, so from a defensive point of view, that's a massive advantage because you don't have that, that, that need to try and drag your focus away um, from the threat. Um, so that, that's, that's a big, big advantage. Um, it also, it means that you're not trying to align multiple objects at, at multiple sort of distances. Um, and you, your eye can only focus on one distance at a time. Uh, so by, by moving the focus to the target and not having to align a front side, a rear sight and a target by just looking at the target and put the dot on what, what you want to die. Um, it dramatically simplifies that process as well. Uh, two of the big myths we hear all the time about red dots is that, uh, well, the, one of the big, the, the big one I think we hear the most is that, you know, they're really good, but they're, they're slower up close. Um, and I've heard that. I, I've even seen people who are slow up close with red dots, but it wasn't the red dot, it was the shooter. Uh, if, if we look at sport uh, competition shooting, um, look at IPSC because it's proper sport. Um, 
traditionally the the absolute fastest um, people are shooting the open division. I haven't seen an open division gun with iron sights in a very very long time. Um, open guns traditionally since the early nineties. No, yeah, I'm not. You haven't seen. Of- you haven't seen a competitive open gun with an actual sight. open gun, not you shooting your commander from appendix um, <laughs> with iron sights. Um, and what it uh, if you if you watch them, they're generally really fast, even on the up close targets, uh, and that's with red dot sights. And it's not because they're magical point shooters who can point shoot everything very fast; it's because Red dots used correctly are going to be faster than iron. Um, in a lot of cases, guys, and, and I think a lot of that stems from shooters who, one of two things, they either end up sort of index shooting at close range and, and getting away with it with the irons, um, or, and hopefully this applies to more people, it probably doesn't, but having a proper understanding of how much of a sight picture that they need to hit that target at that distance. So understanding that to hit an A zone at five meters doesn't really require top of the front side line or the top of the rear side, hard focus on the front side, equal light, height, equal light. Um, they, they generally understand that what they need to see to, to get that hit. And then this, often the same person picks up a gun with a red dot. They often see how accurately the red dot can be shot so now when they're trying to shoot that five-meter target, what they're trying to do is not hit the A zone with two rounds. They're trying to shoot two beautiful snake eyes because the red dot allows that. So they're they're aiming the, the red dot equivalent of equal light, equal, equal height, equal light, hard focus on the front side, counter serrations um, sort of thing. Yes, cool. They, they also um, make scoring a lot more difficult on themselves when they do this because often you don't get that lovely snake eyes that you would get with irons you get two rounds in literally the same hole and they score your mic while you look at the video going the gun didn't move the gun didn't fucking you can see it's a double in the video and they're like it ages perfectly so sorry it happens to be at the Lepopo level four um so one of the things that that we need to understand is they are it is faster um and it's mechanically going to be faster because you're not trying to line up three things. Um, the thing that makes it slower is is an incorrect sort of application of it. So that's that's something we need to understand. Now, we can't in a podcast sort of make you a ninja with a red dot. Um, but what we can do, hopefully, is give you a few tools to, to kind of um, clear up how you use it. And if you really want to get good, um, do some training preferably with me, um, on the red dot, 12th of December at Magnum United. Uh, <laughs> Before you continue, T, so 12th of December at Magnum, hit up T for, for more information on that. Um, won't you briefly tell people, or maybe Gaz, briefly tell people about the process of shooting irons? So what, what do your eyes do when you are drawing to a target or you're transitioning to a target? Um, just so people can understand the, the advantage that the red dot offers in terms of eye refocusing. I don't know which one of you guys want to take that question. So as far as iron sights go, your eyes are continually shifting or or refocusing themselves. And that 
that's going to depend a little bit on your skill level. So for some guys at five meters, you don't need to be looking fairly close at the sights. For some guys, you may need to be focusing more on the sights than the target. But as you progress that skill set, you'll start seeing that you only need to see things in your peripheral. In other words, you don't have to be focused on that object. So at five meters, you'll get to a point where you can start focusing on the target more and you've got the sights aligned correctly in your peripheral. And you can start pushing that that distance further and further back within reason, but there'll be a drop-off point where you need to start changing your your focal point and then changing those gears constantly while you're shooting. So because in competition, for example, we've got various targets of various difficulties on most of the stages that we shoot, those gears are continually changing. And in essence, what you need to do or know is what you need to see based on the target difficulty what do i need to ensure that i get the hits and for everybody that's going to be slightly different um target transitions the same skills apply that's not going to change much whether you're shooting a dot or irons but irons you've got a fair amount of gear changing to keep in mind so t-bag that gear changing is shoot target snap eyes to next target focus on target wait for sights to arrive and i'm, I'm talking about moderately difficult targets for a not super skilled shooter um you're going to look at the target until your sights arrive and then you're going to shift your focus back onto your front sight and then you're going to squeeze and then for the next target you're going to do the same thing you're going to snap the target you're going to look at the target you're going to wait for the sights to arrive you're going to refocus on the front sight you're going to squeeze yep. um, and that gets removed with the red dot right yeah with the red dot what you're doing is you're just moving from where you want to hit this target to where you want to hit this target to where you want to hit this target one of the things sort of related to what Gaz brought up that, that is often a challenge for people is when target one is at five meters and is a full is a full size board. Target two is at 20 meters and is a full side board. And then target three is at seven meters and it's a third of an ASO. Um, and, and, and what we often see is two extremes. We, we either get the people who understand that what they need to do to be able to put two A's or, or, or hopefully two A's on that five meter target and then try exactly the same degree of sight picture and often the same degree of, of sight picture trigger control and timing on the 20 meter full board and then the same thing on the seven meter with a no shoot. Uh, and and this is this is one of the, so, so we see one of two extremes where they're either doing that, where they're kind of hammering everything or they're aiming at everything as if it was the most difficult shot in the array. Um, with the red dot, at least the aiming, obviously the, the trigger control and, and, and the timing and all of that, that's not going to change. It's not magic. It doesn't guide your bullets. But with the red dot, the, the, the aiming is simplified because you put the dot where you want the shot to go. Um, so you're not, you're not having to, you know, a lot of people at five meters are, too many are point shooting and, and often you see that when you get five meter misses um but 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 let's say we're, we're talking about a, a reasonably solid shooter they might they might well at at five meters be getting a very rough alignment on the target um they might at 20 meters be getting really hard focus on the front side um and that seven meter with a no shoot well that's going to depend on on how much a zone and that's available i know there are guys who say that they they um, target focus everything i believe them i i, I 
I think some of them think they target focus everything. I think some of them know what they're doing. I think some of them think they target focus everything and kind of shift it around. But with the red dot, there's no, the, the, the good thing is there's no debate about what you need to do. Um, the mechanics are very simply that you look at the part of the target you want to hit um, and, and not look at the gun, uh, which is what we're doing with Iron Sights. That makes sense. And there's a great big advantage over, over irons. Um, once you understand how to shoot the dot, um, when you're trying to look at the red dot, <laughs> it's kind of difficult. When you're looking at your backup irons, that's kind of difficult. And see, I'll let you get into that stuff. It, and, and one of the things that, that I've sort of, and I don't claim this to be scientific, but this is observation. Um, new shooters and, and, and less experienced shooters generally pick up how to use the dot really quickly. Um, they do sometimes struggle a little bit with how to uh, find the dot um, because they haven't developed a solid index. But I find with new shooters and, that, uh, and, and, and less experienced shooters, they will generally shoot the dot gun substantially better than the iron-sighted gun um, and, and get the hang of how to run the dot really quickly. Um, the challenge can often be for, for really experienced shooters you know, if you've spent 20 years learning to focus hard on your front sight, um, what you what what you, you're now struggling to do is not focus on the red dot, um, and that's not how that sight is designed to work. It's not designed for you to look at the red dot. It's designed for you to to look at the target. So we we find that for the very new shooters, the biggest part of the learning curve is often finding the dot um so so actually get making sure that the dots uh visible in relation to the target and for the the very experienced shooter it's it's using the dot correctly and not staring at the dot um because as i say you spend 20 years working really hard on on, on being able to focus on that front side and now instead of a little piece of metal with you know if you're lucky a little piece of um, fiber or whatever in it you've got this great bright electronic dot staring at you going look at me, look at me. Um, there, there can be a bit of a learning curve getting over that so that you can you can focus on the thing that you, you're trying to shoot. Um, none of it is insurmountable, um, but it is going to take a little bit of work. Uh, and, and once again, that, that, that speed discussion we had earlier, being able to shoot more accurately with a red dot, most people can pick that up over iron sights pretty rapidly. Um, being able to do it quickly that does require effort, just like using irons quickly requires effort. Uh, and and I think a lot of people, a lot of people forget the effort they they made in learning iron sights. Pick up a gun with a red dot and go, oh no no, this is shit. It's different. I don't like it. Um, so there is a little bit of a learning curve, but the benefits are, as we said earlier, um, you can shoot faster and more accurately, which. Uh, doesn't strike me as a bad thing in any sort of practical um, use of a pistol. So I'll do the same thing that I did with the uh, hardware show and kind of guide things around. Um, and I know that we're primarily talking about um, red dots on handguns. Hmm. And we're primarily talking about slide mounted red dots on, on handguns. But, and this is for both of you. Why do you think people have less of a problem shooting red dots on rifles correctly, so target focused, than they do on handguns? 
I think a big part of it is because of the rifle you, or the long gun, you've got four points of contact, um, you're not searching for it. So, you know, the thing is, if you're searching for it and then you find it, well, you, you want to keep looking at it. Um, and that often happens with a pistol. Um, you know, people are trying to find that dart, whereas with a long gun, because of the four points of contact, um, that dart is generally going to present itself pretty easily or, or with very minimal adjustment, you know. Um, if, if your setup's not ideal for you or whatever, there might be a small amount of adjustment. Or if you've <coughs> put a red dot on your AR without a riser, um, that's going to be a little bit more challenging. Um, <laughs> but as a general rule, when you bring that 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 gun up, when you when you get your cheek weld on, um, you're going to be seen through the optic. Uh, so you're not you're not hunting for the for the dot. Whereas with a pistol. Um, especially initially, unless you've got an amazing index, um, you're you're searching for that lens um, because you're you're trying to find a dot in a lens without all the peripheral info of your of your that you get with iron sights. Hint: It's high. <laughs> it's up there. It's not down there or to the left or the right. It's it's up there. Yeah, if you can't find the dot, it's probably too high. Drop the muzzle. That is a fact. Activate um, your pinkies. Activate your pinkies. You need to know more about that. There's a course on the 12th, which will explain that. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not your pinky toes, shall we say. Um, activating those are probably going to help buckle. <laughs> probably. I mean, I don't judge. <laughs> no comments so, on toes. No comments on toes. So, well, <laughs> While we're on this thing with uh, um, foot fetish, uh, shall we talk about... <laughs> so while we're talking about dots being high, um, do you want to talk about the, the initial learning curve of refining your index to maybe not solve that, but to massively improve that? I know that you put in a lot of time and, and ammo to get that down T. And I'm not saying you have to use ammo. You can obviously do it in dry fire, but... I know you put in a lot of time and ammo to get that sorted. Um, tell us about that. And, and, and fortunately, in doing that, I've, I've found a couple of ways to shortcut that. Um, the, as we said, the, 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 the screen is pretty small. Um, so you need, to, you need to have that indexed in a relatively particular place in, in space. Um, one of the arguments, uh, one of the things we see quite often, and, and, and this is more of a Timmy thing, um, is that you must have backup iron sights. Um, and one of the big arguments made for backup iron sights is that they'll help you find the dot. Um, the problem with that is it defeats the object of having the dot if you're using iron sights to find it. Um, then, shock horror, the dot is going to be slower than iron sights, especially up close. Um, there's, and there's no, we, we, we can make this journey a little bit more efficient. We can optimize it, but there's no real shortcut where we can go in five minutes, um, you, you'll have a perfect index. Uh, you know, there's, there, there's, there's ways, um, and the big one I use is, is, a, is a reverse draw um, to, uh, 
to, to get a solid index with that. And then once you've got that, you can start working it from more body positions. Because one of the arguments I've seen as well for backup insights is that no, if you're not in an ideal position, they're going to help you find it, which is 100% true. But once again, you're losing that benefit um, of, of the red dot. And also, if we look at IPC open shooters, a lot of production optic shooters, a lot of carry optic shooters, that sort of thing, who are running guns really efficiently, don't have backup iron sights, are running guns in funny positions and are still managing to, to use those dots effectively because they've developed a solid index. Um, and this unfortunately just falls under the realm of do the work. Um, you're, you're not going to, the red dot's not going to make up for this. I don't like the technique of using the, the iron sights to find the dot um, because I think you're, you're using an unnecessary crutch uh, and I think the the issues with that one is that it's it's slower, um, and two, it's going to be really hard to get rid of that um, when you don't need it anymore, um, because now you've you've gotten so used to that training wheel um, that it's going to be really challenging to get away with it. Uh, and and one of my arguments with it is a huge amount of people I see who run back of iron sights run plain black ones, um, so if it's a little bit dark. You're not going to see them anyway, so their 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 usefulness as a as a as an index point is is moot. Um, and to be honest, I think backup iron sights are overrated. I think they have a role, um, but I think that role is is dramatically overrated in in, in a lot of places. But uh, yeah, so you've got to and and once again, this this comes from doing the work. It's it's ensuring that the gun is coming to a consistent place. Um, and a lot of that comes from, from controlling your draw stroke as opposed to just yanking the, trying to get, yank the gun out and get it in your face as quickly as possible. Um, and, and one of the, 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 the benefits of that, and there's a lot of benefits to, to learning how to use a red dot for an iron sighted shooter. Um, you can switch between the two. I've had people say that you can't. Um, you know, my advice to someone learning the dot is to focus on the dot um, until you've got a, a relatively solid skill set built around it. But you can swap between the two pretty easily. Um, but you need to uh, goodbye. Um, <laughs> you need to you you need to uh, have have developed that that skill set a little bit. And one of the benefits from having that index and it's it it's it's something you really should have with iron sights but it's something that we can sometimes uh, sidestep is that by having that really good index that's required to find the dot if you can do the same thing with iron sights guess what you're going to be faster and more accurate with your iron sights as well um you know if if we use an example of of if if you're doing a we won't even make it ridiculously sort of stupid. If if you're doing a a five meter 0.8 alpha draw, which is not ridiculously fast, it's it's moving, um, but it's not it's not party you know, it's not ridiculous party trick stuff. Um, you're not going to be able to do that on on demand if you're relying on on your eyes picking up um, the iron sights peripherally every time. Um, you're not going to be able to do it in that sort of time. And I I have no truck with, oh, I'm going to point shoot it because the thing with point shooting is if you're doing that cold, 
on a target at a at a at any sort of angle that's slightly different to what you're used to, it's probably not going to work particularly well. Whereas if you have a good index, um, you're going to get those sites that are going to give you that immediate feedback to fire the shot. So by learning how to use the the red dot, you're going to have a, a better index on on iron sites, and that's going to allow you to um, get that shot off more accurately and faster as well. By the same token, if if you've developed that index with iron sights, you're probably going to have an easier time um, finding the the dot. So back to what I said earlier about less experienced shooters finding the dot much easier to shoot. Um, more experienced shooters generally seem to find have have an easier time actually finding the dot. Um, they then use it a little bit incorrectly, but they they have a little bit less challenge finding it. Um, the the big one, as Corn said earlier, generally if you can't find the dot. It's because your front sight's too high. So while we're on the topic of of like sights being too high and ending up in awkward places, um, recoil control and making sure that you don't lose the dot. Um, I mean, not not that the dot doesn't leave the lens, but making sure that you're not ending up with a dot in places where you can't find it, right? Inconsistent return. Mm -hmm. How do you deal with that and, and sort of what are you, what is your advice to shooters who are struggling with that other than grip harder, which is probably uh, a really good bit of advice. Uh, grip better. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you, you may, you may be able to keep the dots in the lens. Um, you may not. Um, if, if you're shooting a relatively soft recoiling gun with relatively soft recoiling ammo and you've got a really strong grip, you've got more chance of it staying in the lens. Um, if you're shooting a lighter gun with hotter ammo, strong end only, weekend only, whatever, um, all of those things sort of start working together towards um, the dot leaving the lens. Um, if you have a solid grip, um, and, and a consistent grip, and this is ex once again exactly the same as iron sights. Uh, what it's going to do is the dot might leave the um, might leave the lens during recoil, but it's going to return relatively consistently. Um, and and that's the big thing. If if you're firing, if shot one the dot leaves at twelve o'clock, and shot two the dot leaves at three o'clock, and dot the shot four the, the you know the shot leaves at eleven o'clock. Um, and then it comes back from 11 at 2 and from 12 at 1 and, and whatever, you're going to have a really, really challenging time um, firing accurate shots. And that, guys, correct me if I'm wrong, exactly the same with iron sights. Uh, you know, if, if, if you're shooting fast and accurately, um, you're getting a sight picture. Uh, despite what everyone seems to think when they when they see someone like Gaz rip through a stage and they're like, well, there's no way he saw his sights. When he shot 95% of the available score, I guarantee you he saw his sights. Um, and he shot those little fucking plates at 16 yeah. meters down the first time. Yeah. Every time <laughs> he saw his sights. Uh, but what's happening is Gaz, Gaz knows that when he fires his gun, his front sight goes lifts up and moves slightly to one o'clock and then drops down from one o'clock into the notch or, or wherever it does for him. Um, it might go straight up and down. It might go slightly to one. It might go slightly to 11. Guess what? It doesn't fucking matter as long as it's relatively consistent. Um, 
if it's always going, if it's always bouncing to nine o'clock and then bouncing back from nine o'clock, it's a bit weird. But if it's doing that consistently, you can learn to use that. Um, if it's bouncing from nine o'clock and then coming back at 12 o'clock, that's going to make a life a little bit more challenging to be as fast as possible. Am I right, Gaz? 100%. Um, the listeners can't, can't hear when you nod. Okay. I said 100%. Yeah, that, that makes sense to me. The the more consistent your return is, the and I don't just mean to the same place, I mean from the same place to um the faster you're going to be able to shoot. Because your brain will eventually learn the pattern. And don't fucking deviate from the pattern once that's happened, because it'll fuck you. But your brain will eventually learn the pattern and you'll be able to shoot literally the moment that the sights come back, as opposed to going where the fuck did those things come from? I mean, I see them now, but like they came from a weird place. So I'm not going to shoot yet because I'm not sure. Um, that tends and, to, and, and that's going to come from from having a good grip, um, which isn't necessarily a strong grip. It's, it's nice if you've got a strong good grip, but it's going to come from having a, a, a grip that that mechanically works well for the gun, gives you maximum leverage, maximum friction. Um, you know, and, and and directs that as well as possible to get that gun where you want it to be. Um, if you if if you're gripping the gun really badly, uh, it's more likely to to sort of bounce all over the place and do silly things. Yes, there there are hardware ways that you can adjust that with, um, you know, sort of heavier bullets with, with slower recoil will help a little bit. Compensators will help a little bit. That sort of thing. Um, but once again. If if we have solid mechanics there, and then we add the cool guy stuff, we're going to get far more benefit than if we have shitty mechanics and try and make up for it with cool guy stuff. I just want to add yeah. something there, and maybe we can get Gaz to hop in on this one. Um, a weak grip isn't necessarily a bad grip, and a really fucking strong grip isn't necessarily a good grip. Um, if you're applying pressure on the gun in the wrong place or massively asymmetrically right it, we, none of us can grip the same with both hands it, it's not going to happen and it's not necessary but if you're gripping if you're ending up at a point where you're literally steering the gun in weird places because of the way that you grip the gun um you're going to cause significant problems for yourself um in shooting fast and accurate you might be able to shoot fast you might be able to shoot accurately but you probably can't do those two things combined at the same pace that someone who has one a more consistent grip even if they're a little bit weaker than you but two has something that that doesn't apply like i said asymmetric force so they don't end up steering the gun with their grip during recoil and stuff quite as much as you do i ideally you, you ideally you're, you're going to have some asymmetric force and that your weak hand grip your weak hand's going to grip tighter than your strong hand um i and just and to pop in the T. Sorry. Mm. I don't mean asymmetric as in how much you squeeze. I mm. mean asymmetric as in okay, yeah. side to side, up and down versus you know, having more pressure in your support hand. Okay, cool. Uh, that said, I mean, one of the biggest issues we see is people whose, whose strong hand grips like they're trying to break the gun and whose weak hand is put on the gun because someone said it's easier to shoot a gun with two hands on it. Um, so... If you can, if you can have a decent grip there, uh, that's going to make a big difference. Um, Gaz, 
Yeah, I was just I was going to touch on the consistency side as well because if you don't have the same grip that comes up every time, that's going to result in inconsistent shooting. So consistent shooting is going to start with a grip. From from my side, I think that playing with pressures and those sort of things on the grip and where your hands are exactly placed for for like corner described with the asymmetric sort of placements and and torques that you apply to the gun is going to be different for each individual. You know, so for a lot of guys, they they sort of battle with having a a strong dominant hand. Whereas with with me personally, I've always shot with a much firmer than conventional strong hand grip on the gun. Uh, that doesn't work for many guys, and I think that just that boils down to what's going to work for you personally. So there's a lot of different mechanical ways of doing it, and if you don't have that consistent mechanical foundation, no amount of cool guy stuff is going to fix that for you going to mask it it's going to hide it slightly maybe but it doesn't fix it um, and and, and a, a quick little useful tool um to work on that and and for a lot of our listeners this um may sort of ring true even if they don't want to admit it um if you find that your grip's getting a bit sort of weak or lazy or whatever put the shadow two down for a bit and go shoot your carry gun that block 19 block 43 po7 whatever it is that you carry is going to be less forgiving of uh, of poor grip than the four and a half ton nine mil. Um, so I and 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 I speak from experience here myself. I find that uh, you know one one of the most useful tools for me if I if I find that my grip's getting a little bit slack shooting a, a, an all steel nine mil um, in God's own nineteen eleven, not in a, a Czech product. Um, hey, cool. Um, it, it can be really useful to go shoot my, my G48 for a bit um, because that requires a lot more focus on the grip for the gun to perform the way I, the way I want it to, or, or, or to shoot my 45 1911, which once again, um, with full power hardball, is not a, a wrist-breaking magnum, but but there's a there's a definite difference between that and, and shooting the same gun in nine millimeter. Um, and and if I if I do that, sometimes it just reminds me. Um, of of what my grip should be like. Uh, if you're dry firing a lot, um, and, and Gaz is more the dry fire expert, uh, if you're dry firing a lot, if if you're dry firing for 15 minutes and your hands aren't tired, you're probably not gripping the gun right, or you have immensely strong hands. I was about All to right, say, Gaz. or you spend a lot of time on Pornhub. <laughs> you don't tire at all. Yeah, I think with, with dry fire, if you're trying to work those fundamentals, then your hand should be tired after 15 minutes or so. Um, if you're working that grip mechanic and trying to get those skills better. Uh, so, yeah, I would agree that your hand should be tired when you're working that in dry fire. Um, something I want to say Oh, I was just going to come back to the sort of the, the grip pressures and that sort of stuff. In my experience, you can only grip as tight as you sort of mechanically can at this time. So what we'll often have from guys is they'll decide that they're going to talk down even tighter than what would be deemed comfortable for their current physical stature or grip strength or whatever we want to call it as a technical term. And that, in my experience, has often had quite a few more negative outcomes and effects than what, air quotes, relaxing my grip a little bit more would have done. Um, so shooting still easier with a slightly relaxed grip than it is with a super tense grip. With super tense is going to be more prone to you having trigger freeze 
pushing the gun around easier with your trigger finger and then pushing the gun around with your support hand. Uh, so that, that, from my experience, a slightly relaxed, slightly more relaxed grip is a lot more forgiving than trying to over-talk a gun. Two things to bear in mind with that, though. One, obviously, that's one of the reasons why it, it's beneficial for your weak hand grip to be stronger than your, your, your strong hand grip. Um, and two, and, and just something to bear in mind, Gaz works with his hands a lot. He's got really strong hands. Um, so Gaz's relaxed hand, relaxed grip is, is force-wise a lot of people's not relaxed grip. Um, now, I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not contradicting Gaz. I'm not disagreeing with him because I, I, he makes an excellent point there. Um, there's definite benefit, though, in in if you can increase your hand strength um, because it means that your your more relaxed grip can still be someone else's maximum attack um, full pressure grip. Uh, something related to that as well, and and partially because I'm not a very a very clever man. I'm a big fan of just trying to grip the pistol with my hands. Um, I don't try and talk my elbows and activate my core or, or any of the other stuff that center access relock um, that, that, that's meant to, uh, you know, increase the, the grip strength because I, I just find it, it it adds unnecessary sort of chattel and chaff. Um, but then once again, I'm a normal size human with normal size hands. Um, one of the things that you, you want to do is you want to be able to, whatever your hand strength is, maximize the friction, maximize the contact between your hand and the gun, not the ha your hand and your other hand, but the hand and your gun um, as high up and, and over as much sort of metal or polymer as you can. Uh, that's going to make a, quite a dramatic difference. Just a couple of things on that. Gaz says relaxed grip. He doesn't mean low force. He means where you're not shaking uncontrollably and where you can hold that grip for a couple of minutes. Um, doesn't mean like hold the gun weakly. It means don't overdo it to the point where you're tiring rapidly or causing set shaking, which is quite common to see guys go, I need to grip harder. So what do they do? They grip literally just harder and you end up with like weird shakes and shit happening. Um, daddy. Harder daddy. That's a, that's my safe word. It works. It works not as well as you would expect when you're getting choked, <laughs> or exactly as well as you would expect when you're getting choked, depending on what you expect. <laughs> um, what he said is uh, rings true for me. Doing weird things with your wrists, elbows, and shoulders to try and increase um, pressure on the gun, for me at least. I, I have to grip the gun in a very specific way with my hands, and I find having my thumbs in a very specific space gives me more um, friction and, and more ability to control the gun without needing to actually grip harder. But if I start getting like elbows and, and like shoulders and shit in, in, involved, my transitions either get less precise or a lot slower because I'm introducing a whole lot of like tension and everything that I don't need. And I, I T, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I suspect that having additional sort of elbow and shoulder tension and neck tension and stuff happening when you're shooting a dot probably increases the odds of you losing the dot whilst mm. doing things rather than 
It'll often, at the very least, make it bounce more and make it might bounce more inconsistently. Um, you know, there's, there's no easy solution to any of this. You know, there's, there's no quick in three easy lessons. Um, and, I, and I think that, for example, that's where they're using the backups to, to find the, the red dot comes from. It, it's trying to make it easy and it, it may be easier, but it's not, it, it's not going to give you your maximum benefit. Um, so, you know, we, we need to make sure that whatever techniques we're using and what you need to do is you need to measure this on the target and, and on the timer. Uh, you know, are, are you getting acceptable accuracy for that particular challenge? And, and what enables you to do that the fastest? Um, and that can change. And I think this is one of those things that, that in a lot of training fields or, or, or when it comes to shooting, people struggle with. Um, Gaz doesn't shoot a pistol now like he did two years ago. Uh, there's not dramatic differences. I mean, he's still lining up the sights and pulling the trigger without moving the gun. But there are going to be differences in, in how he interacts with that gun. Um, as he finds that, and if he try, if he did ten years ago, what he does now, he would he wouldn't have the same results as he has now. Uh, so you you need to be also depending on on on, on what you want out of this. As as with a lot of the minutia we discuss in this leadership in the show, um, we, we're assuming you want to be good. We're not assuming that you want to be um, adequate. Uh, so this will help you be adequate, but we're assuming that that you want to be good. Um, and that might change, there might be subtle changes in how you do that over time. Um, you might be going to a red dot because of subtle changes to of, of what happens over time, because as you get older, it becomes more, it takes longer for you to shift focus from um, target to front side, target to front side sort of thing. Um, you know, so you find that target and it, it takes that much longer for your eyes to find that, 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 that side picture. Um, so that might be one of the things happening. Your hand strength might change. It might get you, your hands might get stronger as you work harder or old man strength is a thing. Um, your hands might get a little bit weaker. Your hand, you might get an injury. You might have something. So you, you need to, if, if your goal is, um, high performance as opposed to adequate performance, you need to be constantly tracking these things, um, having a performance metric and going, what do I need to work on? Um, you know, I found for myself that I, I quite quickly, if I'm not careful, slip into not gripping tightly enough with my weak hand um, because I've got big, relatively strong hands and can get away with uh, um, a suboptimal sort of technique. It doesn't do me any good because if I do it properly, I get better results, but I've got to be careful of that. I've got to be careful of on any draw sort of being too aggressive in that, in that final sort of stage before the gun stops um, because it can feel quicker. Um, and, and we all have things, if we're honest with ourselves, where we can go, this is a flaw in how I'm doing things. And they'll probably be, if, if you're working on this constantly, they'll probably be different flaws to what you had six months ago. Um, and they'll probably be different flaws to what you're going to have in six months. Um, but if you're, if you're tracking your performance um, and, and doing it intelligently. So if, you know, to, to the previous discussion about um, dots being, being slower, if, 
if you're shooting an A zone um, and you're doing that at five, seven, 25 meters, whatever, as long as they're in the A zone, they're good to go. Um, if, if you're shooting snake eyes at, at any of those distances, you're going too slowly if your goal was to hit the A zone. That doesn't mean think about going faster. Um, it means you need to adjust what you were what you were doing while you did the drill. Am I describing that? Does that make sense, guys? Am I describing that correctly? Yeah. I want to add a couple of things, and this might be going back sort of two or three minutes. That old man strength thing. Not that I think everyone should be old men. Um, and I am. But old shooter strength is also a thing. Um, I my grip strength has improved massively through shooting over the last number of years naturally right not not really putting in any sort of effort to really try and train that you should don't overdo it like if you're getting like pro grip or something careful you can cause some some really unpleasant experiences for yourself if you overdo it but it's a good idea to try and do that if you can um, but over time your grip is going to get stronger the more you shoot over time your grip is going to get more consistent as you shoot um it's just that's the way it works your your brain figures out ways to be better at shit including gripping without you physically working to make the muscles stronger your brain figures out what's the most effective and, and efficient way to hold a gun regardless of what the gun is and you're going to be able to do it better with less fatigue than someone who has been shooting for a lesser period of time and i know there's some there's some cutoff there where after some number of years, the, the returns are diminishing unless you're putting an active work on it. But for guys who've been shooting for two or three years, you're going to significantly outgrip guys who've been shooting for six months without any of the fatigue or without any of the convulsive shaking and stuff. Um, just put in the effort. It really makes a difference and it you need time. It comes with time, but you have to be doing the time, right? You can't just go... I've been shooting for six months, but in fact, you shot one six months ago. And as a result, you've been shooting for six months. That doesn't count. Your brain doesn't care about that shit. <laughs> I've got some questions written down here, T, and I'm just going to start from the top. Um, a lady and a man have a big sneeze. And then? Then you have a baby. Jack and Jill went up the hill to do the hanky-panky. Jack said, ooh, Joel said, oh, and out came Uncle Frankie. <laughs> hmm. He acts like he's never heard that one before. Did you not I go to not primary heard. school? <laughs> um, no, I went to primary school in a civilized area, not Heidelberg. That shows. <laughs> so starting at the top, and I guess question one and two are kind of related, but I'll ask question one, two, uh, one first. Um, what is the side picture advantage from the shooter's perspective? on hard shots. So when you have a dot and you're shooting a tiny little fucking piece of steel at a good distance, what's the advantage to that over shooting irons? Now I understand what it is, but there is there is some significant cheater mode happening there other than just where you focus. Well, one of the big ones is that um, you have far more visibility. Uh, you're not cutting the target in half and, and blocking off the bottom half of the target. Um, you, you, you're, you're, you're looking at the target the whole time. Um, you know, it's, 
with with, with irons on, a, on especially on a challenging shot, there are some challenging shots where, especially if your eyes aren't 12 years old anymore, where you, you, you don't have a huge amount of target awareness, if that makes sense. Um, you, you're relying very strongly on the fact that you, you've called those shots correctly and, and pulled the trigger right with the, with the right side picture. Whereas with a, a, a dart, you've got substantially more downrange awareness because that entire, so, say we're using that example, so we're talking about a boiler plate. So it's the size of a fucking postage stamp. Um, and then half of it's hidden behind sand. Um, and I think uh, in had some of those as well. But Boiland loves those. We love you, Jan. Um, and, and what happens is you, you now stick iron sights on, on that. Um, and, and that you've got sometimes none of that postage stamp is actually visible to you as you shoot. Um, you know, you, you're reliant purely on, you know, having good technique and, and calling the shot correctly, which which can be a hundred percent, but there's there's more there's more room for error because there's 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 more going on um, than I can see exactly what's going on, and I saw exactly where the dot was on the target at the moment of firing. So, if if you're not calling your shots, it's easier to see what's going on. That not that that's ideal. If you are calling your shots, it's much easier to call your shots because you should be able to see exactly where that where not just if the dot was on the plate or not using that plate example, but where on the plate that dot was when it lifted. Yep, the, the massive advantage that I've seen in the tiny little bit that I've shot them, um, but I've, I suppose I've shot them with Faber and shotguns is being able to see not just the target but also around the target um, that that really helps and depending on how your handgun with irons is zeroed you may be able to cut the target in half as t was describing that's optimal i, I prefer that greatly but you may have something that's set up to like drive the dot where your aim is to cover what you want to where you want the shot to go with your front sight and when you have a really small plate at a but a distance, guess what? Your front side post is probably significantly bigger than the target you're trying to hit. And now you're covering it. So figuring out sort of windage and elevation on the thing you're trying to hit whilst covering it is not impossible by any means, but slower and a lot more difficult. Requires a lot more brain power from the shooter to make that happen consistently. And, and, and bear in mind, related to that from a defensive point of view, if, if your focus is on the target, that means the gun comes up. We're, we're looking at the target, even as we bring the red dot up, and we see that dude has dropped his gun or what we thought was a gun is a cell phone or, or whatever um, because we're focused there. Uh, whereas with iron sights, at, at some stage, you're going to need to drive your focus away from him. Um, and jokes aside, more of the target's going to be covered because you have two relatively small pieces of iron that when, when they're sort of projected at a distance, appear bigger. Um, so from a defensive point of view, it allows us to be more aware of what's going on downrange. Um, when, when a shoot turns into a, not sh a don't shoot or when a shoot don't, turns into a don't shoot right now or vice versa. So interesting that you would say that because question two is literally just moving targets. 
And that doesn't mean that the target is necessarily moving. It could also mean exactly what T just said. The target has not physically moved in space, but it has it has changed from a shoot to a no shoot or changed from a no shoot to a shoot. Um, there's some advantages there that I don't know if you want to talk about, T. Yeah, I mean, the reason I, I mean, to put it in pretty simple terms, the reason red dots are put in separate divisions in pretty much every sport I can think of is because they make shooting easier. Um, and once again, on that on that moving target, so if you've got a, a swinger at a match, um, you, you're, you're, you're able to watch that swinger through its movement. You're able to look at the spot on the swinger where you want to place the round and fire the round, taking into account whatever sort of lead in that you need, as opposed to trying to cover part of a thing that, that's not there yet. Um, and, and then having your focus back at a front sight um, and trying to catch the spot where that thing is, is visible. So it does simplify that quite dramatically. That makes sense. It's also yes, easier when, sorry. No, no, go ahead, T. It also makes life much easier when you're moving for exactly the same reason. Yep. And shooting on the move is a superpower that everyone should aspire to attain. Um, even if you never do, it's, it's not that difficult, right? It's not, it's not unattainable. But even if you struggle with it, you should keep working at it because it, it's a superpower in sports shooting. It's like a, like a massive fucking advantage if you ever have to do something defensively. Um, because lots of people can't hit shit when it's moving. And lots of people can't hit shit when they're moving. So, kind of bad combination. <laughs> if you Generally, can't when, when someone's shooting at you, you're both going to be moving. Exactly. So, the next question, I've, I've shifted these around slightly um, based on, on where we've gone with this. Um, and I guess the next two are, I'm going to ask them at the same time. So, Dealing with parallax and where the dot should be placed in the lens whilst being placed in the correct place on the target and dealing with offsets on dots, height over bore, etc. From the shooter's perspective, right? We're not talking about the, the hardware. Well, I want to minimize that and that kind of stuff, but you have what you have. How do you deal with that at distance and lack of distance, etc.? Uh, with regards to parallax thing, Obviously, ideally for for best absolute best case results, um, the 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 dot's going to be its its most optically correct in the middle of the lens. Um, but for the majority of shots, we're likely to take with a pistol wherever that dot is in in the lens. If you the the shooter is going to have a, a far bigger effect on on where that bullet goes. Than, than where the dot is in, in the lens. Um, so, and that's one of the things, again, that, that often slows people down is they're waiting to have the dot perfectly in the middle of the lens, perfectly in the middle of the target, as opposed to the dot floating in space. Um, and the lens actually only really exists so that you can see it, but it, it shouldn't be something which you be conscious of um, going onto the target. If I'm going to zero again, if, I, if I'm going to be taking a, a super difficult shot, I want to try and have that uh, that dot relatively centered in the lens. Um, but for, for most of what we do, that's not really a massive issue. Um, your, your other question was related to, to um, offset. Yep. 
once again, on on most targets, it's not going to make a huge difference. If if we're shooting an A zone size target or or even a fist size target on on a on a human attacker, um, as long as your gun's zeroed at a at a reasonable distance. Um, you know, where the challenge comes in is we zero at five meters and then all of a sudden at 25 meters, there's a dramatic variation between where the dot is and where the bullet goes. But if we've zeroed, there's some very clever people who zero at 10 meters. I prefer a 25 meter zero if at all possible. Um, once again, depending on you, if, if you can't shoot a group at 25 meters, you can't zero at 25 meters. Um, then you might need to zero at, at, at 10 meters. But there's there, there's going to be a small amount of height over ball with a if you've got a dovetail mount it's going to be a little bit more if you've got a you know a, a frame mount it's going to be a little bit more if you've got a, a a low mount on the slide it's going to be very very little um so for for most sort of realistic practical pistol size targets so so sort of for size and bigger um you put the dot on what you want to die and pull the trigger uh you may find a scenario especially in a match where you're trying to hit a very small sliver of target behind a no shoot because golden city did like to do that as an example um and there you may need to understand that you're going to have to aim slightly high if it's a really close target um it's substantially less than with an AR. You know, with an AR, your, your dot's two and a half inches above your ball, um, whereas with your pistol, there's a good chance that your your dot is half an inch um, or maybe an inch above your ball. So that's within reasonable distance, the absolute maximum you're going to have to aim high. So it's so little as to be inconsequential for most shots, but what you should do is... In your practice, set up some really tight no-shoots at mm. close distance so that you can train your brain how that works. The, the, um, the, two, the two drills where you're going to notice it the most uh, that, that, that come to mind immediately is if you're running something like a half test, if you're trying to hit the X, you're going to have to aim um, at sort of 12 o'clock of the X just or, or just towards the bottom of the towards the bottom of the top of the ten ring, if that makes sense. Um, and if you're doing a dot torture at three, four, five meters, you may find that you've got to put the dot towards the top of 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 the of the dot of of the ring, um, as opposed to uh, smack bang in the middle. Um, and even smack bang in the middle, you'll generally pretty be okay. Be, be pretty okay. It's if you put the dot towards the bottom of that um, that circle that you, you it's going to be really problematic. Um, so having an understanding of of the maths and the fact that your your dot is slightly above your ball is going to help. Um, having a, a zero to reasonable distance is going to help. Um, and then shooting it and and just seeing where you need to aim. So once again, if you're trying to hit an eyeball at three meters, you might have to have your dot just below an eyebrow um if you're trying to hit a head size target at three meters put the dot in the middle of the target and pull the trigger and, and, and you'll be good to go that makes sense i have two more on here um and i think you've already sort of touched on the the one and i don't know if gaz has some questions or there's something else that he wants to add or something else that you want to add on top of that 
The first one, like I said, I think you've kind of touched on this already, is transitioning between guns from the shooter's perspective, where dots are at different heights over bore, or you know, your your where you grip the gun is significantly lower if you're shooting something like a SIG 226 or a 229 or something to that effect. And then you you usually shoot a Glock, and now you're shooting something that's got a significantly different sort of grip profile. Um, is that a problem, or is that something that like you know, you shoot both a little bit and you're fine. Um, Once you bolt the base, it's a little bit of a of a it's a little bit of a a sort of open ended answer in that part of it depends on what you're trying to you know what what performance level you, you want. So I don't notice a huge amount of difference shooting a pistol with a slide mounted dot that's that's not doesn't even have to be super low mounted, but like a Glock MOS or a gun that's been cut or whatever. Um, I can I can swap relatively easily between that and and guns with iron sights or different guns with dots. Um, where I do find for me there's a little bit of a um, a little bit of a deficit is if I then pick up a gun with a frame mounted dot system. Um, one of the guys at our office is messing around with a a G44 with a comp and a six second mount. It's, it's great fun. Um, but I find for me on that, that gun, I have to kind of draw it and then drop it half an inch. Um, so if, if you want, you can do pretty good to really good work, um, across a variety of things. Um, if you, if, if you're looking for the absolute pinnacle of of your human performance um then the less you change the the less challenging it's going to be um, so while i think you can you can shoot a 1911 with iron sights and a glock with a dot back to back really well um and i think you should be able to to be to be honest i think too many people get a little bit too sort of one trick pony um but if you're gonna if you if you're gonna want your your ideal performance all the time, you're probably gonna have to pick one and practice. That makes sense. And if you have to switch between guns for some reason, minimizing the degree to which they differ is a good idea. Um, if for some reason you have to switch between them, um, if you can pick and just deal with that and, and stick with that, that I agree, that's probably optimal. My Wait, last one. Sorry. Sorry, T, go ahead. No, go ahead. I mean, that said, you know, I'm, I'm shooting classic at the moment, so I'm, I'm shooting an iron sight 9 to 11 and I carry a dot sided clock. Um, and it it's not, it's really not that big of a deal. Uh, grip the gun, use the sighting system, pull the trigger without moving the gun, um, and it works pretty well. You know, if, if we, we saw it, where was it? That, oh, it was, on the, it was on the Steve Anderson course. Where Gas was running his gun, and then to prove to, to prove a point, Steve got him to shoot a drill with someone else's gun, which was it wasn't dramatically different, but it was a Glock 19 as opposed to 17. It had Trichican HD sights, where the front sights about as wide as the screen on this laptop. Um, it, it it was it didn't have the same amount of traction. It wasn't as good a gun, um, and when he ran the drill, the the time difference was minuscule. Um, 
So while he wasn't giving his absolute best performance with that, um, he also didn't completely fall off the bus and become useless. Um, from a from a defensive point of view, I don't think there's a bad guy on the planet who would have noticed the difference between those two levels of shooting. Um, if you if if you're trying to win a world shoot, that's where it's going to make a difference. Uh, Perfect. Good shooters can shoot, and if you're if you're noticing a massive difference, you should probably um, spend a little bit more time working on that. I think is the takeaway there. My last one, and then I, as I said, I don't know if you guys have more stuff that we need to cover here, um, but this is quite a this is quite a big one, I think, um, in favor of dots. Not not low light shooting, though we will we'll touch on that, but low ish light shooting. So where the bad guy is in some some shade, or you're in actually, but more more importantly, you're in some shade, and the, the bad guy is standing in bright fucking sunlight. Um, you might not be able to see your irons, but you should be able to see your dot on him, and obviously vice versa. So not quite the situation where we're introducing a hand light, a, a handheld or a or a weapon mounted light, but where the lighting conditions is bad enough that like night sights make sense if you get where i'm going with that t obviously dots have got good benefit there so i'll i'll, I'll expand on that even more one of the benefits for, of a dot is that your sight picture doesn't really change materially from midday sun in an african summer and complete darkness in your house um Whereas with iron sights, there's midday sun in an African summer, a, a set of nice fiber optic sights can be awesome. And in sort of, you know, twilight or, 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 or dusk light, dusk and dawn light, night sights might be useful. And, and in, in this condition, this might be useful. Um, one of the nice things about your red dot is it's day sights, it's night sights. It, it's all the same thing. Yes, we can adjust the brightness and, and optimize it. Um, but even if it's set a little bit too too bright um, for for the lighting conditions you're in, it's still going to be really workable um, and substantially more workable than not only an, an iron sight that's not optimized to that condition, but probably to an iron sight, actually definitely to an iron sight that is optimal for that condition because it's a better sighting system. Does that answer it? I I, I think it does. I just want people to understand the there are great benefits to dots in varying light conditions where irons are not not like they're unserviceable right? you, you can shoot them in that condition but having the night sights that i prefer on my carry gun even though they're kind of useless at night people think they're highly useful at night they're not they're they're kind of useful at dusk and in weird lighting conditions they're not great in full sunlight they're terrible in full darkness, right? You need to introduce some some external light source to make them usable. Um, dots don't really have that gamut, right? The dot is useful regardless of the the external light, provided that it's adjusted in such a way that you can see the dot. Um, yes. Too bright, fine. Too dim with a tiny dot, big problem. Yet another reason why, as we mentioned in the previous show, I like big dots and I cannot lie. Um, you know, you, you look at sort of somewhat extremes on, on iron sights, 
and, and, and things we see quite commonly, quite often on, on relatively switched on shooters. Um, shooter one has got a set of Trijican HDs on their gun, which the more I shoot, the less I like. Um, because unless you're shooting really big targets pretty close um, under shitty lighting conditions, they're not they're not optimal. You you can shoot them pretty well on small targets during daylight at, at distance, but it takes more work. Um, or you get the guys who run the you know who, who are of the school of thought that plain black rear fiber optic front, and if it's dark enough that I need light sights, I need a, a torch. Well, those sights are spectacular um, if if there is ambient light. Um, what I think sometimes gets forgotten in that argument is that there are a lot of lighting conditions that you likely find yourself in on the rig where you can't see those sites, but you don't need a light to identify your target. Um, stop at the shops on your way home from work to buy bread and milk, the parking lot and that shopping center. There's enough light to see if that person needs to be shot. There may not be enough light to see your sites, your, your house, your lounge at night with the outside lights on, same thing. Um, so there are a lot of lighting conditions where your iron sights may not be optimal, um, whereas your red dot um, is a lot more likely to be optimal. And jokes aside, absolute, absolute worst case scenario, you press a button and make it even more optimal, which you can't do with your iron sights. Exactly. So you um, know, I, I, I can take the red dot on my gun. I can turn it down when I zero the gun to, to kind of give me maximum precision. I can turn it up, um, you know, when I carry the gun, um, and and I, I normally err on the side of caution on the carry gun, and, and would rather have it too bright than too dull. Um, but I've got that option, which I don't have on iron sights. I can't, I can't adjust that. I have added one. Thank you, T. That makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I've added one more question as we were talking about this, and it's a bit of a weird one. Um, though I know that it applies to some shooters. Um, one eye versus two eye open shooting for dots versus uh, versus irons. Um, so ideally on either, we want to have two eyes open. Um, I, I think on iron sights, there are times where you may close or squint an eye. Um, and, and to be honest, I say this to people on courses all the time. If you, if, if, if you have to close an eye to use iron sights, it's not the end of the fucking world. Um, it's not ideal. It's not the end of the world with a red dot, both eyes open. Um, and, and it's really easy to fix that because if you, you know, if you are struggling, we can tape up your red dot, you know, the, the, the front lens, um, and make sure that you've got both eyes open and you're super, superimposing the, 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 the dot and the target obviously especially on a defensive gun or, or, or a defensive tool we want to equip it in such a way that both eyes are open because we don't want to you know human beings are, are visual predators um and i don't want to cut off 50 percent of of the most important sort of um, source of information i have uh by closing an eye um so with a red dot for most people it's going to be easier to have two eyes open with a red dot than with uh, with iron sights. Um, and yeah, we, we, we really don't want to close an eye with a red dot. Yep, that makes sense to me. I don't want to close them with irons either, though. Hmm. I know it's, I don't want to say common, but I, I've seen a lot of people who squint or close or some 
some way obscure one eye when shooting iron. So scratch lenses on glasses or stick tape over the glass or the whatever. So, something to obscure their vision in, in one eye. Um, that Doing something like that takes a lot away from the advantage of shooting red dots. And ideally, you should teach yourself to to keep them both open uh, on both platforms, but especially on the dot. Yeah. And on red dots, it's easy to keep both eyes open. Um, as I say, on, on iron sights, if I'm trying to shoot a really hard target at 25 meters, I'll I'll probably end up squinting or even closing my my, my left eye. Um, I know I squint on really hard shots on irons. I I know I do. And when you masturbate. Yes, but we weren't going to discuss that. I think we explicitly said that before we hit record. Oh, oh, sorry. But now they know. They can't unhear it. Those were the questions and things that I had. Um, I mean, questions. Those are the things that I thought would be important to discuss for the listenership. I don't know if there's anything else you guys think we've missed or we should add or should expand on, etc. Covered a lot of stuff, guys. I think from my side, I agree. We've covered quite a lot of info. Awesome. Cool stuff. Thank you, T-Bag. Thank you, guys. In that case, Mr. Evans, do you uh, want to lead us out? Yeah, sure. So, uh, yeah, just thanks to everybody for their continued support. Uh, keep interacting on the group. I think T will have Drill of the Month back in December. Um, other than that, the link for the Welcome to the Gun Show shirts is still live, so please go ahead and Order your shirt now if you want to become a club member. Other than that, thanks for all the support. Please like, subscribe, and share all the stuff. Remember, minimum five stars. And before T says later losers, thank you guys. Um, if you could post pictures of you in your Welcome to the Gun Show shirt on a shooting range, we'd really appreciate that. And if you don't have one, you suck. Later losers. <laughs>